Coming up on Philosophy Talk. It's a very hard question to figure out what the ground of morality is, and a lot of philosophers have thought about this. But adding God into the picture doesn't help one bit. Atheism and the well-lived life. God is a cunt. Are atheists consigned to live meaningless lives? I think that human value and the meaningfulness of life, I think they're independent of the facts about God. Our guest is Louise Anthony, editor of Philosophers Without Gods, Meditations on Atheism and the Secular Life. I think that if the value and meaning in your life depends on a story that turns out not to be true, that's a special kind of tragedy. Recorded in front of a live audience at Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts. I mean, it's a hugely important human project to try to come to some working consensus about how we ought to treat each other. Atheism and the well-lived life. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today we're coming to you from Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley, Massachusetts. We're here at a conference called Engaging Philosophy. So we've brought our engaged thinking all the way from the Stanford campus to Mount Holyoke. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today is atheism and the well-lived life. Can I know that you've contributed one of your thoughtful articles to a highly praised collection edited by our guest Louise Anthony? And the, the main topic of this collection is just how peachy keen atheism is. So it's up to me to represent the forces of piety. I'm not sure the forces of piety would really want you as an ally, John. <laughs> Well, I'm not here to argue or defend belief in God. I am here to figure out how folks like you and Louise Anthony manage to feel so damn positive about being atheists. It seems like an intrinsically depressing, deflating, and despairing point of view. But why don't you give us your definition of atheism? Well, that's pretty easy. An atheist is someone who not only does not believe in God, but believes with some confidence positively disbelieves that there is a God. There is no God, but you, you know that. Yeah, but let's nail it down a little. Do you, you definitely mean to reject the kind of classic Judean, Christian, all-perfect, monotheistic God, but how about some weaker conception like Hume? The idea that uh, the world was created by something or things or committee of things possibly quite imperfect that nevertheless bears some remote analogy to human intelligence. You reject even that? You mean, like, if you had created the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, look, uh, the question of whether we would call that God, but let's be radical here. Let's adopt what we call, might call strong atheism for the purpose of this conversation. It says that the world was not created by, is not controlled by, is not governed by any intelligence or anything having any remote intelligence analogy to intelligence whatsoever. There's not one all-perfect God. There aren't several less-than-perfect gods. There's none of that. Not even Charlie Brown's Great Pumpkin? Not even the Great Pumpkin. To be a strong atheist is to reject supernatural deities and entities of all forms and kinds. That's the kind of atheists that, in my heart of heart, I have to admit to being. And I find it a rewarding, sustaining, even inspiring point of view. Well, you know, that seems odd. It seems odd to find 
inspiration in the non-existence of something. Well, I mean, what's it like to be converted to atheism? You fall on your knees and say, oh, there's nothing. We have many accounts of being converted to religion. The world suddenly takes on new meaning when you accept Christ or the Buddha or this or that and the other. Your sorrows are lifted when you learn that there's someone up there who cares. Well, we don't really have these atheist conversion rituals down, but maybe Dawkins and Hitchens could set up traveling tent shows where we preach atheism. If anyway, they're televised, you could watch people coming down the aisle and accepting atheism. They're falling away from Christ. They get to the glory of the great non-existence. It could, it could happen. You're kidding, but you're making my point by kidding. When one is converted to atheism, the world goes from meaningful to meaningless, from caring to uncaring, from hopeful to hopeless. It really sounds depressing, this source of despair, not exaltation and inspiration. Well, John, you know, first of all, I don't think most people convert to atheism the way they convert to Christianity, say. It's a much more gradual kind of thing, and, 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 and it kind of comes in two parts, I think, if you go from being non-atheist to atheist. First, it becomes clear to you, somehow, that there's no evidence whatsoever for the existence of God. No evidence. All the arguments for God just don't work. They're, they're not very well reasoned. They're gibberish sometimes. And there's also lots of re evidence against the existence of anything, especially like the Christian God, the all-loving, providential God who guides history to this great end. Uh, and no evidence for any lesser God either. So it is a kind of depressing thought at that stage. I grant you that. Well, I think a lot of people get to that stage, get to your, your first part of, of this conversion, and they quit there. They say, this isn't very inspiring. Let's just ignore the whole issue. Maybe they take some Prozac. But most of them don't go around haranguing their friends and family, uh, the ones who are lucky enough not to have figured out that there is no you, God. You may be right about that, but if you are, it's kind of a sad thought. But because with more thought, I think it becomes clearer to everyone who has come to atheism that not as much hinges on God as people make out. I mean, you can still have fun, you can still have friends, you can still love your country, you can still value things, and it's, so it's not like what Ivan Karamazov said, if God is dead, everything is permitted. That just doesn't follow, and once you realize that, it's, it's not so saddening. Well, why doesn't? Why isn't everything permitted? I mean, what sort of fact is it that something is wrong? I mean, torturing innocent children is wrong. Now, is that a fact of nature? But Nature doesn't really seem to mind all kinds of undeserved pain. It doesn't seem like a merely subjective or culturally dependent rule of etiquette. It's wrong to torture innocent children. It just seems like an objective fact about the world. But who could make such a fact except God? Well, that's a good question. It's a challenging question. And, you know, I think it's one we should put to our guest, Louise Ant Anthony, in a little bit. And I guarantee you we're not going to rag on, re on the religious. That's not the goal. But to explore the joys of positive atheism. And we'll want our live audience here at Mount Holyoke College to join in the conversation, too. But first... Our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch, talks to some people living their lives as practicing atheists. She files this report. In this country, most of us are brought up with some kind of religion. I was raised Southern Baptist. My parents were religious to a certain extent. Well, my dad's family is Catholic, but my mom's family was not as religious. I was raised like culturally Jewish, but we didn't like go to a temple very often and I didn't have a bat mitzvah. 
But then there are people like Taylor Myers, a philosophy student at Mount Holyoke College. She remembers one time she went to an art museum with her mother. I said, who is the guy in all these pictures? <laughs> and it was, it was Jesus, obviously, but like, I didn't have any Bible study. I've never had anything to do with that. I mean, I knew who Jesus was, but I had no idea that <laughs> that was what I was looking at. Meyer says her father was almost anti-religious, and she was raised an atheist. I mean, I remember picture books when I was little, you know, that were like, what about gods? And <laughs> it was all of like a secular viewing of what gods are for children. And it was, it's awesome. I mean, I look back at these books now and I'm like, I'm going to give my kids these books. These are awesome. On any college campus, it's not hard to find an atheist, but many disbelievers say they feel like they're part of a minority or like they're missing out on something everyone else has. Take Mount Holyoke professor Sam Mitchell. I see other people and I see the role that religion plays in their lives. It seems to give them great comfort and happiness. And uh, I see that I don't have that. Mitchell was raised Christian, so when he declared his atheism in college, his parents figured it would pass. They were not happy. They thought it was a phase, and actually they're less happy about it now because it's clearly not a phase. At first, Mitchell says he tried proselytizing to gain acceptance. And so I would tell pretty much everybody at any remotely available opportunity. And one of my friends said that I was an evangelical atheist. So he stopped. And over the years, Mitchell says he's discovered that declaring his atheism upsets people or makes them feel foolish for believing in God. So now he'll say things like, I have no religion. Which sounds so mealy-mouthed when I reflect upon it, but it, it tends to make life go a little more pleasantly for everybody concerned. Myers, on the other hand, has a kind of youthful excitement about her lack of religious conviction. She admits she sometimes feels like religion is pushed on her. You know, it, it's on the dollar bill and God we trust. It's in front of courthouses, the Ten Commandments, and, you know, we say the Pledge of Allegiance and, you know, we're one nation under God. And it's just like, we're not, though. <laughs> we're one nation that, you know, some people think we might be under God, but not necessarily. Myers formed the Free Thinkers, Atheists, and Questioners, a secular group that meets to talk about religion. They discuss things like how to lead a moral life without believing in God. You know, I, I think that you can be a good person and, and still be an atheist, because I don't think that it has anything to do, like the two things don't have anything to do with each other. Just because you don't believe in God, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't have morals or that you're a bad person. She says she tries to live by some version of the golden rule. And it works. She doesn't drink or do drugs. She doesn't cheat. She's kind to her friends. You know, I'm not going to do some, to someone else what I wouldn't want done to me. And I don't think that that initiated with the Bible. I think you can see that in Hammurabi's code. I think you can see that way before the Bible was written. For his part, Sam Mitchell tries to live similarly. Love other people. Do them right. I hate to put it that way because it sounds so sappy. But what I mean is to have a sympathy for humanity as a whole, for other humans just because they're human. However flawed and difficult and messy life is. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.